1: Plushcare.com/slash/weightloss.
2: Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Curzon Film Podcast. This week, it's us versus them over and over again as we discuss Jordan Peele's follow-up to Get Out, the doppelganger horror, Us, and we talk to the damn fine Rafe Fines about his latest directorial effort, White Crow. I'm Sam Howlett, and joining me this week are Stephen Ryder. Hello. Ella Kemp. Hello. And we were supposed to have respected film journalist Kalim Aftab join us, but unfortunately only his twisted doppelganger crawled out from the sewer. <laughs> That's right. Place <laughs> Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us. Uh, we'll be hearing from Ray Fiennes shortly, but first let's talk about this week's biggest release, Jordan Peele's follow-up to Get Out, which not only became one of the highest-grossing horror films of all time, not only became one of the most significant mainstream films of the past decade, topping multiple Best of 2017 lists, not only won Jordan Peele an Oscar, but also launched him as one of the most exciting filmmakers working today. It's no surprise then that his second feature, Us, A Return to the World of Horror, is one of the most anticipated films of the year. Lupita Nyong'o stars as Adelaide Wilson, who returns to a beachfront town where she experienced a traumatic event as a child, this time bringing her husband Winston Duke and their two children for a family getaway. But the holiday soon turns sinister as four strangers show up, each one a doppelganger of the Wilson family. Jordan Peele has very much been given a blank check after Get Out, and he's got a Twilight Zone reboot coming in the next few months. But Stephen, he could have done anything with his second film, so is this. Get out, or get in.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, look, it's... uh, as soon as I realized I'm about a quarter or halfway through the film when things really kick into gear with us as soon as I realized that this was a much kind of more narratively complex film than Get Out in my opinion um, I kind of settled into it a lot more I was waiting for the a similar feeling that I got to Get Out when when it clicked for me mm-hmm. and all of a sudden I, I kind of figured out what, what Jordan Peele was trying to do and then he still managed to surprise me throughout the film but um, I felt like I had a handle on Get Out uh, whereas with uh, with us, I think there's so much kind of depth to it mm-hmm. and narrative complexity to it that uh, it can feel a bit more difficult to kind of get your claws into. It, and a bit more difficult to find an even footing. Um, and, you know, that's not to say that this, the same style and the same kind of um, originality isn't there, but it's certainly a different film to get out.
2: Hello.
0: Um, yes, I also really, really enjoyed it. I was very nervous going into it, as I am with m- most to every horror film that mm-hmm. I go to see. Um, and the early reactions that I'd seen had said it was really funny. And I thought, oh, God, that just mean it's really funny in that it's so terrifying that mm. you can only laugh, <laughs> which is true. But then I also loved how many moments there are of just genuine comedy, yeah. of just everyone like really just... just terrific comic timing that isn't just like a leftover reaction once sure. you've finished feeling terrified or something. Um, so that was great. Um, but yeah, I really, I thought the tone was like balanced in that sense. I think um, from the trailer, it can seem like it's going to be very, very, very weird, which it is in part. Mm-hmm. But I think I felt that there was always kind of a lot of restraint and style and everything was very tight. Mm.
2: I Colleen, what were your initial thoughts after seeing us?
3: Uh, as I was watching it, I wasn't enjoying it very much, I okay. must admit. Um, although when it started, Beachfront Town, as you said in synopsis, Santa Clara, 1986, mm. Lost Boys, dude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and there's loads of references like that. There are, yeah. That kept me going throughout, because okay. it's the home invasion story. I mean, I must admit, I didn't really like Home Alone either when I was a kid, so <laughs> it's just not for me, really. Uh, and that's kind of straightforward, and because he's more interested in the allegories and metaphors, I think the actual central story just kind of floats by. There's no big reveal like can Get Out. There's no big moment where you're like, that's the movie. I mm. didn't see that coming. Whereas this kind of just filters along and it ends. And then you start thinking about it on the way home, you start thinking about the references. And maybe two days later, I was like, "Oh yeah, this is a really good film, but it kind of needs to be passed like a Godard
1: movie." <laughs> <laughs> I think when when uh, when the the screening I was at, when Jordan Peele introduced the film, they asked him about the title, and he did mention that um, it's a you know, us and the U.S. Yeah. kind of it goes together, and. I think that there is an argument to be made that this is maybe a very specifically american film i think he said it was a movie about america and you know coming at it from a from a british perspective and trying to kind of find that hook um i think i might find that a little bit more difficult because i'm mm-hmm. not as kind of uh entrenched in the kind of cultural uh, or political or social divide that this film is is hinting at uh in its title and in its kind of narrative um and i think maybe that's a reason for me why as I've thought about the film uh, after the few days after I've seen it, it's become kind of more interesting to me than it was whilst I was watching it.
2: Yeah. Did you ever feel like the subtext overwhelms the text? Because think... this is a very, sorry, this is a very kind of, yeah, like, as you say, political allegory-laden film.
0: Yeah, I think it can in parts towards, as, as the story in the film develops... I think you kind of end up noticing different tropes or just ways of putting a film together. Mm. Like, this is the face-off scene. This is the explanation scene. This is the crazy scene. And then I think with all of those, then all of the different messages end up being like literally explained. I think Jordan Peele gets away with it, in a sense, because everything looks so just so strong and just the acting is terrific and i think the dialogue's quite tight that it works mm. but yeah there are moments when i think there's there's even a line of dialogue that says who are you and then and then um lupita's doppelganger goes we're americans so and mm. i was like ah here we are this is this is where we're coming <laughs> yeah. from which you know it's true and clever but also not too difficult to yeah. understand
3: yeah i just felt like it was a kind of uh allegorical remake of uh Alice's Adventures in Wonderland. Mm. Yeah, uh, They go through the rabbit hole, which is very well written at the start, about yeah. tunnels underneath. It's about the subconscious. It's about having doubles, about not knowing doubles. There's lots of rabbits. And then that's where the fun of this film is. Yeah. Because you can go, oh, why rabbits? Is it because of Alice or is it because... And if it is because of Alice... Then you start thinking of the tea party. Then you start thinking of the Boston tea party. And then you start thinking (laughs) of America. And so that's where the film gets really fun. And then you think about Thriller on a t-shirt. And you think about Michael Jackson in that video. Mm. Um, And you think about he plays a zombie and a werewolf. And he's not who he is. And then you get that. And then you think about Jaws. And it's the kind of uh, old men... Drunk, reminiscing about life, but the psychological damage that's happened over. Mm. And then you have Jaws being the physical manifestation of that. And I think this film has loads of stuff like that, loads of hints. It's a great film if you're just sitting there going, How much can I get without Googling? That's always a game (laughs) I get. Yeah, he definitely,
1: I think he definitely takes a lot of like joy in, in putting those little messages in the film. But I think he's worked really hard to make it so you don't need. To kind of understand what's going on with these this iconography, this kind of familiar kind of uh, horror iconography, um, that I think I saw birds in there as well, uh, a lot of Hitchcock references, mm-hmm. um, and I think he's spoken about kind of wanting to kind of emulate Hitchcock in a lot of uh, in a lot of what he's done with us. But I, I, what what I really what I think's, Almost as impressive as Get Out, and probably just as impressive as Get Out, actually, is the is the imagery in this film. Mm. There's a lot of really, really striking imagery, and a lot of similar stuff as well. Um, the The thing that stands out to me is the the tears dripping down from the eyes of the characters, which obviously is the the image that people remember so much from Get Out. It's kind of Daniel Kaluuya's yeah. eyes, uh, and in this, I think he does a very, very similar thing with Lupita. Uh, Lupita Nyong'o's eyes as well Um, they're incredibly striking Um, and you know whenever she's on screen either character that she's playing in the film it's really difficult to not just look Mm. dead into her eyes and try and figure her out
2: yeah it's not doing those like complicated setups to create this horrific imagery it's all very straightforward very primal very simple and I guess the idea of a doppelganger is grotesque enough you don't need x amount of gore x amount of you know all this complicated imagery it's and yeah like the get Out poster was just the screaming face and this the post for us is very simple and yeah hits you on a very primal level um Stephen I know that me and you are really big into our horror Ella and Kalima. I don't know how horror focused you are
0: I mean, this has won me over. Yeah. I think, okay. Yeah. Before going into it, I was I was skeptical again, and I thought I can't deal with something that's going to be too exploitative and too jumpy and too just 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 trying to just trying to annoy me yeah. and upset me. Um. But I don't think it was doing that at all. I, I I enjoyed it on like so many different levels, and I don't know if it's the genre itself. I don't know if Jordan Peele is particularly good at making horror, or if he's just particularly good at making mm. films, and you know that has all <laughs> the other elements within it. Um. But, yeah, not too scary for me. We'll see again.
3: (laughs) Mm, I don't normally judge a horror on how scary it is. Because Mm -hmm. for me, mostly the literal version of horror is always quite boring. Mm. It's always about the hidden meanings. And that's what the beauty of horror films are for me. And this one hits home there. But I think as a straightforward film, it was a little bit trying for Mm me. Mm. And also not to give anything away there's a switch at the end that I didn't buy at all (laughs) I know I
1: think a lot of people are questioning that it
0: wasn't was it needed by that point
1: Mm, it It made no sense either it's literally
0: like in the last Mm. very last few minutes
1: I mean it's interesting that He's gone from, I remember when Get Out came out, Peel went from describing his films as social thrillers. He was like, actually, this isn't a horror film. It's a social thriller. I've got seven of these written already. Mm. Like, they're going to be amazing. It's going to be a social thriller kind of party. Uh, but uh, I think with on the press tour for this, he has been saying, like, I wanted to make a straight up horror film. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and I'm, I'm with you, Kaleem. I think that it's far more interesting as a kind of uh, an allegory than it is as a horror film. I was, I was was I was kind of scared, but only in the sense that you can be in a home invasion film, not in a actual horror film that kind of hits you on a subconscious level and really creeps you out it was a more tension driven film mm. than a than a fear driven film i think
3: i'm gonna say this just to uh, get myself in trouble but it's like the reverse of uh green book or bohemian rhapsody where you watch those films and you're entertained as you're watching them and then you think about them and go that was just a load of <laughs> and then <laughs> and then with this i was like oh yeah kind of happening and then I thought about it and I was like, Wow, that was really good. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I know what you mean. I love
2: as well that both Get Out and Us, if you you could if you take if you strips them down to a ten minute version, they could be a very good key and pill sketch.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think um I'm really surprised Jordan Peele uh, didn't just play uh, Winston Duke's character in this film actually because I feel like Winston Could've Duke worked. was working with a lot of Jordan Peele yeah. sketches to like, a composite of this character you know.
3: I think he said he doesn't really want to act anymore. Is think, that, did yeah. Jordan Peele say that he really? Said that, yeah.
1: Huh. That's really interesting. I've always, make... I've always thought him to be a really good actor, especially yeah. in the scary Key and Peele sketches, because he's done a lot of horror-themed Key, Key and Peele yeah. sketches. He's kind of terrifying in a way. He's can he
2: he's got that face sometimes, that intense face. So, yeah, it's surprising he doesn't want to act anymore. So a lot of actors in this film obviously have to play their own characters and then their evil doppelgangers, and they all do an incredible job, Lupita Nyong'o in particular, because that's a really hard thing to do, because both her both Adelaide and her doppelganger get a lot of screen time and are completely different characters. And that's pretty astounding to watch. Um, and we asked Twitter, uh, what are your favourite creepy twin doppelganger moments in film? Uh, the first uh, reply was from at EFE Kemp.
0: Hi.
3: <laughs> that's me.
0: <laughs> Look, sometimes you just get an instinct and you know in your heart what the answer is. And the answer is Lindsay Lohan. And Lindsay Lohan... In The Parent Trap.
2: <laughs> it's pretty pretty terrifying.
0: The first time I watched this film, however many years ago it was, I didn't know who Lindsay Lohan was. I didn't know what this was. I believed she was twins. <laughs> and then, God, years later, my mind was blown.
1: You were like, oh, God, I hope the
2: other twins okay. <laughs> Stephen? Where is she now? <laughs> Where was that British actress from Parent Trap? <laughs> Uh, and then we had at uh, Steph Watts, who's been on the podcast a few times before, she recommended The Double with Jesse Eisenberg, uh, yeah. the Richard Iawidy yeah. film. Uh, at Lil MCP, The Man in the Iron Mask, Leonardo DiCaprio, one of the f- forgotten films of the 90s. <laughs> yeah, um, And I would just want to throw out uh, Twin Peaks. I think Twin Peaks has a lot of really creepy doppelganger stuff. Yeah. That yeah, especially in the last episode of season 2 mm. when you literally have someone going doppelganger. <laughs>
1: I think yeah, I think Laura Laura Palmer's doppelganger is absolutely terrifying in, and yeah. in really really scary doppelganger.
2: Guys, you have any creepy twin doppelganger moments in films?
1: Creepy dead ringers for me yeah. is the twin, the creepy twin film. Uh, yeah, I when you when you start putting twins in places like hospitals, yeah, and hotels, and you know places like that, places that kind of um, you can walk around the corner and just run into them. Uh, yeah, it doesn't doesn't work with me. I mean, my mum's a twin uh so you know i grew up uh, <laughs> yeah i mean Freaking it wasn't out, yeah. <laughs> i think i think it's like an underlying yeah subconscious thing that i've got about
2: twins where they do kind of freak me out a little bit yeah dev rings is a really good one because they are out and out they're normal guys but after 20 minutes you're like there's something alright with these two. <laughs> There's definitely wrong going on here, here. Absolutely. I think
3: mean, for me it was vertigo because someone uh, had yeah. to tell me after I watched it that was double gang. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that film really worked for you. <laughs> <laughs> it's just that one of those movies.
2: <laughs> so from the grotesque to the arabesque. That's a ballet term. Uh We're moving on now to White Crow. Uh, So just before we hear from the film's director, Ray Fiennes, Ella, can you give us an intro to what the White Crow is?
0: Absolutely. So sent to Paris as a pawn in the Soviet Union's plan to show their cultural supremacy, one of the 20th century's greatest dancer, that's Rudolf Nureyev, refuses to conform. He enjoys the dazzling city to its height and its wealth of unknown freedoms. The film was directed by Ray Fiennes, who takes on the challenge of a biopic that pirouettes between the great stages of the political and the personal.
2: All right. Kaleem, you spoke to Ray Fiennes, did you not?
3: I certainly did. How was he? He's great, yeah. He's um uh, very, uh, what would I say? He's quite good at the humble brag. Okay. <laughs> 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 but so am I. Yeah. So I really appreciate that. I was like, great, just to uh, say how bad you are, but really tell people how good you are <laughs> game, game recognizes yeah character. yeah exactly i was like that's good and then um he's a completely interesting character and it's uh intriguing that he wasn't really into ballet mm. yet he made this film and you can see that when you watch the film because ballet is only one small part of this film whereas i think he's more interested in borders
2: which has a big okay.
3: contemporary resonance to today
2: all right then. Without further ado, humble brags are plenty. <laughs> Kalim speaking to Ray Fiennes. Yeah, yeah. I've seen one of my girlfriends.
3: <laughs> <laughs> How are you? Fine, Fine. you? Okay, you um in the film you show Noreev looking at the raft of the Medusa. Yeah. Um, can you tell me a bit about artistic inspiration and why that fascinated you that
4: moment? Well, you, that idea to have that picture was David Hare's, the screenwriter. I think he felt that the sort of violent twisting and a twisting agony of these bodies of men who are dying of, of, of thirst and starvation on a raft in the middle of the ocean. I think it has, it has a sort of physical uh, um, energy and ferocity that I think, and I agree, that is a great thing for our Nureyev to be transported by. All these limbs and bodies looking, turning, dying, collapsing. Um, and in fact, we spent a whole afternoon Focusing in on aspects of that painting, I think it has. It's it's enormous. It's a giant of a painting, confronting in a way a giant spirit of an emerging dancer lo- looking at it.
3: And do you do that yourself? Is there a kinship between you and Nuriev?
4: I don't know if there's a kinship. I'm certainly. All I know is I'm fascinated by this uncompromising spirit. I don't. I think I'm probably guilty of making all kinds of compromises somehow I feel there's a I mean often uh, often arguably an an unattractive ferocity to Nureyev's will but with it comes a sort of what I would call a sort of there's a there's the noise about his behaviour the commentary the anecdotes about the rudeness the arrogance but actually I think there's a guy who's working all the time to perfect his expression as an artist as a dancer and I find that very moving. Um, that n- it n- nothing, n- everything can be better, it can be better, it can be more improved. Um, and I just find that as a sort of something to aspire to is, is impressive, is, is kind of a, a, almost addictive to me.
3: Mm. Do you seek perfection yourself when you're performing? Well,
4: it's mad- seeking perfection is a sort of madness because I think it's impossible, but I, 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 am, I am, I admit it, I think someone who thinks it, can, it was never good enough.
3: And how do you overcome that fear? Because obviously with Noriev, he has... You don't
4: overcome it, you have to sort of live with it and wrestle with it. I think it's it's also the thing that provokes you to get up and go to work. Um, I mean, there are days, I think, as an actor or director, when you feel you can be suddenly something sits in a place where you feel it's a bit more coherent, but you can never you can never rest.
3: And are you fascinated by this, uh, the Cold War and Russia and bring in that aspect? Because it concentrates almost as much on that than it does the ballet. It's
4: well, the Cold War is a very interesting time. It's the context for this story. And it's, it, it, as uh, working with David Hare was really interesting because David's brilliant at identifying sort of the key dynamic or dramatic elements, which of course are, it's a cold war of two ideologies one which is dedicated to the group, the community. Everything is about the community working for itself, an individual expression, an individual kind of, um, the path of the individual is not encouraged. The, all individual entities go into the collective. Um, and I think that's, that's a very valid proposal. Um, a lot of great you know, things are achieved by the community. But of course, our artists, whether they're dancers, or writers, or singers, or pop stars, we want those extreme people. They can give us things, and that the, the realization of them as artists, these extreme people, is something that we audiences also thrive on. And so there's an interesting area where, anyway, the Cold War, kind of, I suppose, is the sort of binary definition of these two ways of thinking and behaving. Of course, Soviet Russia very oppressive, very repressive. People's lives guided, their minds guided. And here's a spirit in Yuryev who, lots of reasons, including of course his sexuality. Um, you know, the gay life not at all encouraged or, or um, illegal in Soviet Russia. And this is a man learning him, s- discovering his own gay sexuality in this story too. It's also an element in it. In it. Um, but there is also, aside from Cold War, I think there's there's just the way that Russia can look at the world and the way Western Europe looks. So there are two. The Russian h- history is full of. There's a famous sort of standoff between Dostoevsky and Turgenev. Dostoevsky, very strong, orthodox, committed Russian national, to the well-travelled Europeanized Turgenev, kind of wrestling with the, their sense of identity. So there's all for me. There's all kinds of themes in it.
3: For you, in terms of um, performing in front of the camera, performing for someone as well known as Rafe, directing you, is the directing that you get from camera and on a film very different to what you're used to doing ballet performances?
4: Uh, How I direct you, is it different from being directed in ballet?
2: Easy for russian yeah, that's this question. Uh, легче потому что в балете у тебя одна возможность выйти и станцевать а в фильме, допустим, ты можешь переснять какой-то момент
4: uh, well it's um, easy actually because in ballet you only have uh, one uh, chance uh, uh, to do the dance while her uh, in the film, in film you can have several takes
2: Но как я видел как он создавал этот фильм от начала до конца то есть это ну, это просто приводило в восторг
4: um, and uh, I saw how he uh, created this film from uh, uh, beginning uh, till the end, and uh, that helped
2: me a lot. конечно, это было что-то невероятное, как Раиф это играть и создавать фильм. То есть, держать это все в голове.
5: It's
4: amazing just to watch uh, Raif uh, um, uh, creating the film and uh, acting in it as well. How he I managed to uh, keep it all in his head.
2: Я такого в балете не видел.
4: I've never seen anyone doing this in ballet.
5: That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN.
4: Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction. And free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at Burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, thanks very much.
2: So this is now his third time as a director um, after Coriolanus and The Invisible Woman. How do you think he's developing as a director? Is each film better than the last? Or?
3: Well... He made a great debut, which was on a territory that he really knew. Yeah. Uh, the Invisible Woman just didn't work for me at all. Whereas this, I feel like, is a step up in terms of uh, narrative devices, the ability to jump from one topic to another without feeling clunky. I think he did a really good job, and it kind of resembles a ballet in the way it mm-hmm. kind of pirouettes, as Ella so eloquently said, um, between uh, one topic to the next.
0: Yeah, I I've, I'm always quite wary as well when you see an actor d- actors directing films, fine, but actors directing films that they also star in, I'm a bit sceptical. Um, but <laughs> Kenneth Branagh. Was f- yeah. <laughs> look, you said it, I didn't.
3: Um, you wanted Jordan Peele to be in the other <laughs> yeah. movie. I did. That's exactly. true. right now. That's true. <laughs> well, look, I did not want
0: Jordan Peele to be in Us. and so I'm glad he wasn't. But anyway, Ray Fiennes is in The White Crow, um, and I. I you know didn't mind it um I I liked his performance I thought it was very good I think he's a terrific actor um and I like that he's obviously a character that matters who has this kind of very central part to Rudolf Nurea's story but I don't feel like he ever ever overshadows it or just takes over and says look I can direct and act and also dance because I'm a dance teacher and uh, doesn't do that I think yeah but he also,
3: I think, has said that he didn't want to be in the film. Humble ah. brag again. Um, <laughs> and then was forced to because they needed a star name. And- oh, Interesting. And so therefore he took on this role of Pushkin, who is a double... No, he's not a double gang <laughs> It's another man with the same name. <laughs> and uh, um, he takes on this role and he, I think he does it really well. And as you said, but it's interesting that he's the opening of the film and the closing of the yeah. film. Yeah. That kind that of... Is, uh, that a is a humble the humble break. brag. Yeah, That's like, I'm not it. in it
0: much, but if you have to leave early or if you've come in late, you'll see me. At the end. <laughs> I make sure
2: I'm the first thing and the last thing you because it's my film, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I guess the kind of the story is kind of comparable to Cold War in a way where you've got this artistic struggle between the East and the West, and you know there's this very tense moment in the film when he moves on the plane mm. to get to the west um oh wow, I wouldn't compare it
3: to Cold War no, at all. no? <laughs> I think it's just the classic obviously Cold War in yeah. the general sense of uh, someone from the East wants to come over to the West and they have a battle to do it and it's a fight between ideologies. And Because normally as an audience we're expected just to buy in with the Western ideology mm. being the right one. And this kind of happens in this film, but there are moments where he has so many self-doubts And what's really interesting is the decision of leaving his family Mm. becomes such a great moment of this. And normally you don't get that in thrillers. It's like their life is just getting away from communism. Uh, And I found that interesting. So I think it was a... There's no real... For me, aesthetically, it was very different to Cold War. I guess it's a very shallow place. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's go right away from that. Yeah. Right place. Not, not a love story. <laughs> and France. As much. And France. Right.
0: <laughs> More like a love story between a, a man and his, and his craft and his art and dancing. Like Cold War with a little bit of Suspiria. Little bit, a little bit oh, but, really? I mean, well you know dancing i don't know
3: <laughs> can i um bring in bohemian rhapsody again please my favorite How? It's
1: your number one film of last year <laughs> if i'm not mistaken right
3: of <laughs> course of course i mean what can we say about bohemian rhapsody that hasn't been said so uh with bohemian rhapsody it's again a story that is about a gay man that's told in the relationship with women which i found a little bit difficult for this film and that's trying and that's also true of bohemian rhapsody Mm -hmm. here the story is his may his relationship with clara sant who played by adele sorry oh very good (laughs) 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 very good and uh and i felt that was a bit weird that it was downplayed so much even though there is as in bohemian rhapsody there's the one scene Mm. that gives it away and uh for me that was something to question about the movie theoretically mm. more than as I was watching it.
0: Well, I guess Oleg Ivenko, who plays Rudolf Nureyev, he I've I, I don't think I'd ever seen him act before, and I think he put in a really... I was really convinced by his performance, and I think it's always obviously a lot of weight on someone's shoulders when it's a biopic with a pretty unknown face who has to go through so many different things. Like, it is, you know, he mm. wants, he is a dancer, but then there is this whole east and western thing and then it delves into his sexuality so much as well um that yeah it's a bit of a it's quite a tough task Mm. for him I think to kind of keep one direction with the whole story and make you believe like his passion all the way when the script inevitably because the person's life had to throw so many different things at it that you have to fit into the two hour runtime Mm. or something it's quite a long film
3: but the scene at the uh, airport is great. Mm. Where yesterday I thought that was yeah, really brilliantly big, executed.
0: This big confrontation, but confrontation in a very Cold War way where there are literal whispers and everyone has to kind of like, uh, play a game of chess with each other. Of have, well, not an actual game of chess, but, you know, mm. have to kind of navigate all of these tensions of will he go, will they stay, will they let him go. And um, yes, very quiet, but... Very well done.
2: Okay, then. So that was the White Crow, and us both are out in cinemas today. And if you fancy staying at home this weekend, uh, on Cousin Home Cinema you can watch Minding the Gap, Bing Liu's Oscar-nominated documentary. Um, On the surface level, it's very much just looking at skateboarders, but it's also looking at people that live on, you know, in this kind of working-class conditions. And he sees something in these young skaters he had in himself when he was younger so he's just kind of asking them about their, their lives at the moment and how that reflects on his life as a when he was a child um really amazing documentary it was quite a surprise uh nominee at the oscars because it's so small and so obscure compared to something like the um the mr rogers documentary won't you be my Neighbor, which is like the highest grossing documentary of the past few years that didn't get nominated and something like this did is really interesting
0: such an exciting nominee though as well yeah it
2: is so if, you,
1: if you want a less kind of allegorical um position or or example of what's going on in america and the tattered state of kind of america at the moment uh then maybe uh minding the gap is a better option than us because it's yeah it's certainly kind of a more grounded and um i guess heartbreaking in a lot of mm. ways version yeah, of, of America's contemporary america
2: and that's it for this week's show. Uh, if you've got any thoughts on us or The White Crow, do let us know by emailing podcast at curzon.com for next week's show or tweeting us at Curzon Cinemas. Thank you for everyone who tweeted their creepy twins. Uh, you can subscribe, leave a review or comment on iTunes, Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. Next week, we'll be talking about At Eternity's Gate, featuring an Academy Award-nominated performance from Willem Dafoe as Vincent van Gogh? Oh that's Go. right yeah. thank you cool. uh, you can follow Stephen uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <Resident> if, <laughs> if anyone needs yeah. any
0: fact checking <laughs> I'm, I'm here you know a lot of the time
2: you can tweet her <laughs> EFE Kemp on Twitter uh, Stephen you're not on Twitter but you're on Letterboxd yes uh, Stephen Ryder with two R's at the end and, Kaleem, where can we find you? Uh,
3: in the gates of hell. All right. He's going
2: to crawl back down to the sewer where he came from. <laughs> That's uh, right. <laughs> and I'm at SamHallett underscore one. Thank you much, very much for listening. See you next week.